Cyberpunk 2077 Phantom Liberty has completely changed my mind about the game. And I'm having to do this video now because I'm very, very slowly moving through the story. There is no way that I could wait until I am done with the game or the expansion to give you my thoughts. What was once a game I fall started with three different times is now a game I look forward to playing virtually every chance that I get. And while some of this does have to do with my evolution as a player, I'm not alone in my thoughts and my praise for this game, but I'm also not the only person thinking that comparing it to Starfield has actually been quite helpful. I've seen countless tweet threads and YouTube videos about how much this game has turned around, as well as some of those comparisons to Starfield. Obviously, this is linked to a different debate about how the game launched. Was Cyberpunk 2077 always a great game? Has it always been a good or great game? Was the hate and the criticism unwarranted? And on the other side, should this game be given a second chance? Is supporting Cyberpunk to this degree sending the wrong message not just to devs, but to publishers and executives? Now, I put all the good information right here at the beginning of the video. It's a longer video because it is a live stream, but I open with a monologue and then I discuss it with a live audience. If you like this kind of content, be sure to hit subscribe and the bell button so you don't miss out. Well, Cyberpunk 2077 Phantom Liberty has completely changed my mind. A game that I once had to force myself to play just to get through the opening is now a game that I am playing as often as time allows. And because of my current season of life, my progress in games is just too slow for me to wait and give you a full review. So I would rather do a video and a monologue like this to completely talk about how this game has changed my mind. And I don't want to ignore the other aspects of the debate and the discussion. There is some interesting things being said in the wake of this game's big turnaround moment. First, I want to address the idea that Cyberpunk has always been a great game. I have seen people saying this. They're like, I, you know, I don't know why everybody's so excited or, you know, everybody's just now, you know, tuning into the fact that this is a great game. And they're saying, no, it's always been a great game. Now, this doesn't sound legitimate given the devs and their own stance about how much they had to do to their game to fix it. But secondly, I want to talk about my experience with Phantom Liberty. The timing couldn't be more perfect as I have recently felt a change in my own preferences as a gamer. Limited time really makes you appreciate games in a different way. I'm not at a place where I can binge and just play long hours of a game. I chisel away at a game an hour, maybe two hours a night, and it makes games hit in a different way. It makes me prize and enjoy different things in games that I used to. Lastly, I do want to give my own thoughts about how and why this game is being compared to Starfield. I did my own video about how I believe Starfield can learn from Cyberpunk, but I'm seeing a steady flow of videos that are comparing the two games. And there are elements to this that I believe are legitimate. I do think some of this is a bit of a, you know, people taking cheap shots or people just trying to bash Starfield because you know they want to they want to bash on anything Xbox related but I do think some of the comparisons have been quite helpful and I actually think my own experience in Starfield played a part in me enjoying Phantom Liberty So first, let's just address the idea that Cyberpunk has always been a great game. I'm seeing people say this. It's almost slightly dismissive of how the game launched, or maybe even dismissive or condescending to people. Like, hey, you guys are just now seeing that this game's great. It always has been great. I I think a while back, it was, uh, I don't know the exact date, I reacted to a video 
from Frankly Gaming, and it was about Cyberpunk. The video is titled, Cyberpunk 2077 Was Always Good. And to his credit, his video was published in September of 2022, basically an entire year before Phantom Liberty hit. The video currently has 160,000 views, and I think it is well worth a watch. His contention was that the game had so much great story depth, and so much great side content, and little details that were just making for what he felt like was a great experience. And his thumbnail is obviously pretty provocative, as his thumbnail states, you were lied to. But the problem here is his enjoyment and his love for the game cannot override how disastrous the launch was. It's easy to hand wave now in 2023 and say, oh, the problems were just on the old gen consoles. But the problems in Cyberpunk were so much more significant than that. Some of their biggest and earliest patches address things like, well, driving no longer feels terrible. And there would be long laundry lists of bugs and glitches that had to be fixed. It's easy to forget how bad the game was when all those problems are now distant memories, but I think it's important to push back against this narrative for two reasons. First, because it's demonstrably false. It just isn't true that Cyberpunk has always been a great game. It's incredibly easy to prove the game was bad back then by the developer's own admission and their behavior and their patches. You don't do the level of work that CD Projekt Red has done and patch a game to the degree that they have if the game has always been good. Like, this is objective. This is not subjective. You can measure the amount of work and improvements, bugs, glitches, just bad gameplay in general by their own admission and how they've treated this, fixed it. The amount of passion and work and man hours they have thrown at this game is a repudiation of the claim that Cyberpunk 2077 has always been great. Now, the second reason it's great to push against this false narrative is the game, if it has always been good, it diminishes the hard work of CD Projekt Red and how much they've brought this game forward. It's almost this smug sort of, oh, you're all just now enjoying this game, but it always has been good. The turnaround for Cyberpunk has been significant, and it honors the work that the devs put in by acknowledging that. To hand wave or dismiss how bad the game was at launch isn't just dishonest, it's disingenuous. It's minimizing just how Herculean the task was to get this game to where it is now. Think of an insane comeback in a sports game. The larger the deficit, the more impressive the victory. And so I don't think we can praise Cyberpunk or Phantom Liberty without first owning as the devs have, just how bad the game was at launch. But on the other side of this coin, I do think CD Projekt Red had a great foundational set of systems in place. They do know how to make a good RPG. The level of impact you can have on dialogue and missions in Phantom Liberty wouldn't work without a solid foundation. I've always thought that Cyberpunk suffered from scope creep. Too many big ideas and systems that just never hit their full potential. And you can see that in the Phantom Liberty expansion. All the systems converge into one great experience. The living city, the street corners, the highly populated areas, the conversations, the dialogue choices, the mission structure, the combat 
combat, the gunplay, the movement. At some level, Cyberpunk Phantom Liberty is a cautionary tale. If you want your game to be this big and to be this deep, you have a lot of edges and a lot of systems to polish and smooth over. Because if not, your ambition and vision will drown your game. So no, Cyberpunk was not always a great game, but it certainly is now. And I want to give my thoughts about my experience with Phantom Liberty, because we had a discussion the other day about advice that I would give a new player, right? At first I said, listen, jump right into Phantom Liberty, poke around in the menus, learn about what are the skill trees, how are they set up, how's your inventory work, you know, poke around in the cyberware systems. Like, from where I sit, I feel like it's all pretty self-explanatory, but I forgot just how much of the basics that I already knew, I, but also all of the things that I had already forgotten so it probably would be advisable to brand new players to play fresh from the start of cyberpunk now i watched a video this morning about a guy the guy has loved the game for a long time and he has always felt that act one is too long it's too restrictive it's like four hours even if he goes as fast as he possibly can now that's something to consider because that's somebody who loves the game who's played it a bunch and even this guy's saying listen it's like four hours for me to you know plow through that opener so just be aware of that as a newer player that that's what you're going to be dealing with this is something that I think is a good way uh, to approach it if you start the game and you go through some of those tutorials and you feel like you have a good grasp but you really still feel like it's taking too long well then boot up the game start a brand new save and skip to Phantom Liberty I think that would be the best approach you'd have some of the basics down you'd understand some of the systems and how you scan things and stuff Phantom Liberty starts you with a solid amount of loot and a good skill build. Like, I didn't feel like I needed to go respend all my points, even though I did, and then it got reverted because I, di- I died and I it didn't save it. So, But I just kept it as is, and I've had a perfectly fine time. The reason my experience was so effective with Phantom Liberty is because it kicks off in a way that feels like a direct answer to all of my issues with the main game the pacing was so much better more than that the characters and stories it was just immediately more interesting now this is obviously tied to pacing and phantom liberty gets to sort of jump right into things right they get to presume that you know the basics it's a bit of a cheat code if you think about it like a main game the size of cyberpunk has to spend a pretty good amount of time you know, teaching you things and walking you through systems. Personally, I think they should restructure the game to allow for somebody to start with Phantom Liberty, and then after, you know, two hours, you know, you get through that sort of opener of Phantom Liberty, then you could show the title screen and give folks the option to go through maybe some pre-baked tutorials, just some very basic things to teach you about the game so you don't necessarily feel like you've got to go back and play through Act 1. But that's always going to be, I think, a challenge to do to like just player preferences like what do you want to experience do you want to experience the base game first and then the expansion everybody's going to view this a little bit differently so approach it in the way that you think is best suited for you now this is not a major issue i just think it's something that would be helpful if you did let people start with phantom liberty and still get some of those tutorials now after the first two hours the game does slow back down right once phantom liberty kicks off you're like this is incredible And then it slows back down, kind of establishes the content loop and some of the story elements. This is where I was concerned I would fall right back off the horse. But I need to speak about my transformation as a gamer. 
As somebody who played and covered one live service game for over five years, my preferences were honestly blunted and dulled. All that mattered to me was a rewarding content loop and just a way to farm gear. Very little priority or importance with respect to story or narrative that just didn't matter to me. And when I switched to variety coverage and primarily I really only stream the talk show now, it meant that I was not able to play games or a game for long periods of time. I'm always, you know, in the past, I was always having to stay up to date on the newest content and the newest updates. Now I have to carve out time in the evenings. I'm a husband, I'm a dad, you know, I've got responsibilities beyond just doing YouTube, I've got other things that I need to take care of. So my time in games is a lot more shorter and very much in spurts. This made story-driven games hit a lot harder. They had a lot more potency. Ghost of Tsushima was probably one of the first games where I would just sit and listen to the dialogue and read the subtitles. Little micro-stories for side quests or major story beats, they would just hit so much harder in the past I would want to click through that stuff and just get back to the action like watching a show or one episode a week instead of binging a whole show the energy of the game just feels more powerful when you take it in these smaller doses Final Fantasy 16 sort of happened in this way for me long stretched out cutscenes huge emphasis on story and on characters and playing it for roughly one sometimes two hours a night felt like this amazing tv show that i got to experience i got to fight in and do stuff i wasn't just sort of watching passively so the pump was primed for cyberpunk to get a second shot the main reason i fell off with the 2.0 update was because i had to go back through the long drawn out bit beginning and I, i already knew all this stuff i'd already gone through it before phantom liberty let me sort of taste the best parts of cyberpunk almost immediately even recently there was a mission where myself and idris elba's character we go into this sort of high class party no spoilers but we go into this really really classy place and it just felt so wonderfully handcrafted as an experience that i even still had input as the player like i still had control over what was going on even though it was very handcrafted i really really appreciated that so i know that my own experience and my own journey as a gamer might be different than yours but if you appreciate the things that are hitting hard for me in phantom liberty then you really should dive in especially if you wanted to get something from starfield and you didn't feel that you got it a lot of us felt that way I've been anticipating Starfield for a very long time. Somebody stumbled upon one of my shorts from a long time ago when I was sort of defending Starfield in its initial marketing stages, and they were surprised. And it was like, I know everybody's told you that I just hate this game and bash this game, but I had been covering and looking forward to Starfield for a very long time. I loved Skyrim, and I loved Fallout 4, and I was hoping for something more evolved and more expanded And funny enough, I feel like Starfield drove me to enjoy Cyberpunk more. Let me explain what I mean. So a lot of people are comparing Cyberpunk to Starfield. There's a lot of videos out there. You may have even seen Asmongold reacting to some of the more shorter ones or funnier ones. So why are people doing this? It's kind of hard not to for a handful of reasons. I think the biggest reason would be NPCs and NPC interactions. Both games offer a very similar baseline. You walk into a room or location, NPCs are doing things, 
some of them can be interacted with. Quests are largely interlaced with stopping to talk, make decisions, or learn more about a person or situation. Both games also offer an open world experience that allows the player to explore. You can leave the main quest and sort of go roam around and look for other things. Obviously, the combat is going to have similar foundations as well, given that guns and melee weapons make up the largest portion of your combat options. So I watched a bunch of comparison videos this morning before doing this. I was like, all right, what's everybody saying? I've already kind of written my thoughts down. I want to see what everybody else is saying. Generally, I felt like people were trying to be fair, but they all conclude the same thing. Cyberpunk is better. Now, obviously, they are very careful to acknowledge how much work has gone into fixing Cyberpunk, and they feel that that makes it a little bit unfair. I find that discussion to be very strange, if I'm honest, because wouldn't the rough launch of Cyberpunk serve as a warning to other similar games? Is the assumption now that games of this size, like Starfield size or Cyberpunk size, are they just going to launch poorly and get fixed over time? Why is the expectation that Starfield is excellent from day one so unfair? I don't understand that. Cyberpunk is hitting high levels of excellence, but I guess we weren't supposed to expect that from Starfield. Also, what commitment we have seen, you know, from Cyberpunk, I'm sorry, CD Projekt Red to fix Cyberpunk. There was a very, very concerted effort over the last couple of years to fix this game, and very early on, they were vocal about that. What commitment have we seen from Bethesda to fix, polish, or improve Starfield? The trope of the modders will fix it, well, that seems to be banging on all cylinders. From the videos and the comparisons that I've seen, I thought some very helpful themes emerged. First, there were people comparing the open world. It's clear that Cyberpunk is more curated, more handcrafted, while Starfield offers a more sandbox approach that leans heavily on procedural generation. When it comes to NPCs, dialogue choices, impact on the story and the outcome, everybody seemed to agree that Cyberpunk was clearly the superior game. Just the NPC interactions alone. There was an amazing side-by-side comparison that Asmongold watched the other day. And I remembered the point in Starfield that he was watching. And I remember thinking it just felt sort of flat. It just felt sort of bland. And when you compare it to how you interact with NPCs and major story beats in Cyberpunk, it is a night and day difference. When it came to the story, many people felt that Starfield's story was fine, but Cyberpunk's was more unique or more intriguing. Combat landed in a very similar lane. Starfield's combat's fine, but many took issue with the weapon pool, the spongy enemies, and the largely non-evolved Fallout 4 feeling combat. Cyberpunk's combat, however, is being highly praised, and not just by fans of the game, but folks like me. I'm late to the party. I'm a new convert. I never thought the combat felt very good in Cyberpunk, and I'm loving it. I feel like they really tightened it up. I feel like the weapons are particularly good. Now, that could have something to do with the fact that I jumped to Phantom Liberty, and maybe the first couple of hours in Cyberpunk is still full of guns that are just not very good. I mean, that could still be a valid criticism. Again, I skipped past that, but in Starfield, even once I got better weapons, it just never felt particularly great. It was better than Fallout, but it certainly wasn't something that I would describe as excellent or fun, and that's what I would say about how Cyberpunk feels now. And to be fair, I I think the question that has to be asked is, is it fair to compare 
Starfield to Cyberpunk. And I think it is. And not just for the sole purposes of slamming Starfield, but to illuminate just how good Cyberpunk truly is. I have to say it this way. I I have to say this, and I know this is probably going to be twisted, but I would not have noticed how good Cyberpunk was with a lot of what it does and a lot of how it approaches certain things. I wouldn't have noticed all those things had I not played Starfield. What I mean is Starfield does so many things in a bland, sort of canned and dated way, it makes cyberpunk shine brighter. I was quicker to notice things like ambient sound in a crowded part of a town, or NPC movement, or the NPC interactions, the intrigue of the storytelling, the combat, the the movement, even the pacing. The mediocrity of Starfield made me appreciate all the love, the care, and the passion that's been poured into Phantom Liberty and Cyberpunk as a whole. I I really truly mean that. It's sort of like, I think Asmongold said it, it's like bread compared to garlic bread. It's like one just feels bland. It feels like there's not been anything really infused into it. And those things make all of the shiny spots of cyberpunk stand out more i don't think i ever would have noticed the 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 dynamic interaction with an npc moving around sitting down getting up walking around and i feel like i'm having to kind of interact with them in a real way and you juxtapose that against starfield where you just sort of stand there and face someone and the facial animations the movement all of it it just it shines so much brighter in cyberpunk and i don't think i would have been tuned into any of that had i not played Starfield, which is very weird to say, right? Like, Starfield made me appreciate Cyberpunk more than I had previously, especially the Phantom Liberty expansion. So, that's why I think it's fair to compare them. Because, listen, Starfield is part of my journey with Cyberpunk. Like any game experience, the previous games that you have played, the previous expansions and pieces of content you've played, it's going to affect your expectations. It's going to affect your preferences. So, the big takeaway here is that Cyberpunk 2077 Phantom Liberty has completely changed my mind about Cyberpunk, about the game as a whole, which I think that is probably the highest praise I could give any game or any expansion. So let me give you my thoughts and my conclusion here. Cyberpunk will likely always have some level of polarization when it comes to opinions, right? To this day, gamers who are very committed and very passionate, they will tell me that they will never, ever, ever support No Man's Sky. They're like, I will never support that game, no matter how much the game has improved or updated or made good on promises. And at some level, Cyberpunk was a worse offender than No Man's Sky. So I do think it is fair to acknowledge how bad the game was, as opposed to the very weird revisionist history of start. You know, Cyberpunk has always been great, right? Because as someone who always wanted to enjoy Cyberpunk, it just never, I could never get my footing. I couldn't look past all the glaring flaws and problems bugs the glitches the game just never felt good to be in i'm happily playing it right now about as regularly as i can i plan to continue this is i'm feeling torn right i'm I'm kind of in a hurry spider-man's on the horizon i was really enjoying ac mirage more than i thought so I'm, i'm very much torn right now but cyberpunk keeps pulling me back the second thing i want to say is game comparisons always spark the sharpest debates And I think as long as you don't take it personal, it can be illuminating and it can be helpful. You gain insight into what you might like or dislike about a game when you compare it to others. 
right? I, I do think some of the people comparing Starfield and Cyberpunk, they're just console warring. They're just trying to bash Starfield. Most of the videos I watched, I thought they were very thoughtful. They broke down a lot about both games. It's, it's hard putting these games side by side to not see how just woefully behind, dated, and archaic Starfield truly feels. So even the videos I saw, they, they didn't seem like they were console warring. They seemed like they were genuinely comparing the two games. And cyberpunk makes starfield feel like it's stuck in time more than it already is if if that's the way i want to say it right and and i think just like those who compare games just to bash one there are also those who will defend starfield to no end right And, and cyberpunk i think has a similar defense force that will always enter the discussion anytime i've ever talked about cyberpunk i feel like i have to talk to this group of people that could, could could admit no flaws existed in the game. It was always my fault. I didn't play right. I didn't play enough. I didn't play long enough. The, the people who defended Cyberpunk very much reminded me of the people who defended Starfield against its criticisms. Apparently, you have to play for 50 or 60 hours, but then if you play 50 or 60 hours, they'll tell you that nobody plays a game that long and actually hates it. You, you, you know, Then they'll accuse you of lying. So it's like, you either haven't played enough or you play enough to say something and then they just claim that your review isn't honest because nobody would play a game that long and dislike it. It's basically an unfalsifiable position that, you know, you run into all the time with defense forces of of video games and consoles. So my conclusion is this. Games improving themselves to this degree, I just think should be celebrated because I believe it sends a loud and clear message, right? Gamers support quality and the risk of launching a bad game is too great it's too damaging to keep trying it right the redemption stories of video games like cyberpunk and no man's sky they are sadly the exception this is not common you know a lot of the failed games of the last 10 years have not had a chance to turn it around they're dead they're canceled you know studios are getting closed right and and the silver lining i think in that is that should dissuade other developers and publishers from wanting to continue the practice of like pushing something out and fixing it later it can be incredibly costly and if you just wait and allow devs to pour out quality and value then your game stands to make a ton of money but for now My plan is to jump back into Phantom Liberty and complete the story, and then I want to head out into the main game. I want to head out into the main game of Cyberpunk, because the true test, at least for me, is the whole game, right? Not just the expansion, because I think the expansion delivers a level of greatness that I'm still not sure I'm going to feel in the main game of Cyberpunk. And then I think we will truly see if Cyberpunk 2077 has always been a great game or not. And that's the show open. Thank you guys so much for being here. Make sure you guys smash the like button. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. I hope you had a great, great weekend. I have been, I didn't get to play much over the weekend. My parents are in town. So I'm uh, I'm going through a little bit of withdrawal, but I made sure to play a little bit last night. I was like, I want to play a little bit last night. I'm nearing 11 hours. I'm a level 24 and I'm just absolutely loving the game. You know, there's only minor, minor gripes and quibbles. Like I haven't quite, maybe this is just something that you learn in the earlier stages of the game. I'm like, oh, how do I get ammo? Like every once in a while I'll be in a base or a fight and they'll just be 
ammo boxes everywhere and I'll get an unbelievable amount of ammo and then other times I'm like wait I don't have any ammo like what happened and I'm running over all the bodies I'm picking up all the guns that's re- and that's not been that bad like I had a really nice SMG that I liked but I like okay let me unequip it I'll equip an AR I'll use the AR for a while and then I'll probably get more you know bullets for the SMG and I'll just you know swap spaces uh, the three weapon slots I think is a good choice it like limits your choices so you kind of have to make some of those those hard those hard decisions guys do me a favor if you haven't already gone through the ritual man smash that like button we should easily have 200 likes by now good morning good afternoon and good evening you're drowning in ammo i am not i'm not let's get the daily goal up there and let's get the coffee in the frame with our fancy little thing that my my producer hates. We have the light roast back. We have dark roast. I printed a bunch of orders this morning. I was a little preoccupied with family in town uh, over the week. There we go. Uh, I was a little preoccupied with family in town, uh, and so they didn't get printed over the weekend like I typically would have done. And uh, so those will go out uh, probably tomorrow. Thank you so much, DK Beggar, for the first gifted member of the day. Han shot first, and so did you. And it is October, so our big goal. And another gifted member from Joker Quinn, the race for the first gifted member between these two fine, fine community members, always gifting members and always taking care of the people here. And currently, we have about 2,300 members, and Fright Night is the first big goal of the month. If you guys want to have a Friday night, Fright Night, every Friday of the month, my my wife and I will play a spooky game, a scary game. So that's the big goal right now. David Lilly just jumped in as a brand new member and picked VIP. Just said, I'm going to jump all the way up and pick the big one. That means you get into all the members-only content, but you also get into the daily writer's room segment where we play the next day as well as the VIP stream that only happens on Friday. We only do that once, but the writer's room is for member plus and above. Thank you, David Lilly, for doing that. It says uh, Weekly Games Chat says thanks for the gifted membership. Yes, if you guys got a gifted membership, make sure and say thank you to the guys that did it. Um, um, this guy says, and lying to bandwagon, hating on Starfield. I'm not sure what you're saying. 30 bucks... Uh, then you're making an exaggeration? Who are you talking to exactly? If they had the presentation of Cyberpunk 77, it would take even longer than that game. I'm not sure what you mean by if, if presentation. Are they co-op VR horror games? That would be so amazing. Would it not? Wouldn't that be crazy to have like a VR horror game where like one's not in the visor and the other is? Off topic, do you think sequels like Uncharted 3 would survive in today's gaming climate? Personally, I think Uncharted 3 would get devoured. Um, I don't know. I actually don't know because I didn't play Uncharted 3. I'm very late to the PlayStation ecosystem, so I played Uncharted 4. So I actually don't have a, a strong opinion there. It is interesting, the dialogue around sequels, remasters, and remakes. I have an upload today about that, so I don't want to talk about that right now. I, we, you, we can talk about that in the debrief after that upload goes live. But I do think there's an interesting conversation centering around, you know, the lack of new, the lack of innovation. And I, you know, I think it's difficult for developers to want to innovate because of the risk involved. You can lose, I mean, you know, Immortals of Avian, they, they tried to do something new. They tried to innovate and the studio's closing, you know? So I just, sometimes you wonder if, if the business realities of gaming is the main issue and people are, you know, people are acting as if, 
well, everyone's safe, everyone's lazy, everyone, you know, no one's willing to take risks. I don't know. Because I, I look at Cyberpunk and I think, like, when it launched, one of the main things that hurt Cyberpunk was scope creep. They had so many ideas, they had so many things they wanted to do, and it turned into, you know, kind of a nightmare, right? All oh, my boxes on the ground. We, I got... I got the shelving that we talked about. Uh, you know, we're gonna. I'm gonna test this out and see if I can't put this back there on the wall to like hang cool stuff on, and uh, we'll we'll see if this. We'll see if we can get this to work. Uh, I think it will. I think it will. It's just a matter of me taking the time uh, to uh, to hang it up. So, Noberto with 29 months in a VIP. Thank you so much, sir. Appreciate you. Currently hooked on Cyberpunk. Such a great feeling game. I haven't even jumped into Phantom Liberty yet. Love how much they added and fixed. Here's here's my current, you know, quandary. Because I, 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 I won't know until I do it. Right? I won't know until I do it. I'm curious if I finish Phantom Liberty and then I go back to the main game of Cyberpunk. I'm going to be pretty strong by then. I'm going to have you know, fleshed out skill trees, a lot of guns, you know, I'll be better at the game, I'll have more abilities, I'll just be more familiar with, you know, the, the, the pieces and parts of the game. How is the game going to feel? Like, is it going to level with me? Is it going to balance out? Um, beyond that, is uh, does the story, the dialogue, the interactions, are they going to feel as good, right? Are they going to feel like a step down from Phantom Liberty gameplay? Because that's my, I think that's my only concern is I'm going to sort of play through the, the, the entirety of Phantom Liberty. The game levels up with you. Okay. Increased difficulty. I'm not necessarily concerned about the difficulty. I'm concerned about the quality. Does that make sense? Is the quality going to be as good? Like, am I going to go and get into these interactions, the dialogue and, and the storytelling? Am I going to feel the same way? that I do right now because Phantom Liberty every time something's going on with a story I'm I'm kind of intrigued I want to know what's going on now again I've really changed as a gamer so I'm appreciating those things more than I used to I would say dialogue and the stuff is just as good says Realm Rex and Ancients has quality over everything enemy scales with your level in the 2.0 update in the very hard mode elite enemies are quite strong even with max level character uh hey Lono what's up y'all how are you overclocked I, yeah, I actually feel like the challenge is pretty good. I recently did a mission. No spoilers. No spoilers. I'm not going to spoil anything. Um, the only thing you saw in, in the gameplay montage that I showed you is literally like the first hour of the game. And I, I can't I can't keep that from view. It's like, come on. We got to be able to watch some gameplay. So no major spoilers. But I was, I, was, I was doing a mission and we were leaving this place and we were getting in a pretty heavy shootout. Okay. And I, you know, I could turn turrets on and do different things. And it, it was good. It was tough. I was having to like get in the cover. I was using my dodge a lot. Um, I'm trying to. I'm trying to get better at dodging and shooting, dodging and reloading. Like trying to do those things at the same time to make it feel like the fluidity is there. Because like sometimes I'm more. I, I feel like I get stuck in a rut where I just retreat to Call of Duty style, you know, shooting where I'm like behind a box and I poke out behind a box and I poke out. So. I try not to do that. It's like, well, no, I should be jumping around, zipping around, flying around, you know, um, dashing. So I try to play more aggressive. And certain weapons really help with that. Like an SMG feels really, really good, you know, doing that. In the original Cyberpunk, I went out of my way to complete all the side content because I enjoyed it. 
I'm okay, so I don't do this. You guys know me. I don't do this in games. But last night when I was playing, somebody was like talking and I had the opportunity to be like, hey, tell me more about that. Or I could have been like, let's just get down to business. And I said, no, tell me more about that. And I'm telling you, it was because I was interested in the character. I was interested in the character. I was like, okay, this character is actually pretty cool. I kind of want to know more about their backstory. I want to kind of know, I want to know what in the world happened before I met them. And so, you know, I don't think I ever did that before. What goes to Tsushima, I did, but that, again, that was, that was, that was kind of a special game. So I suddenly like cared about characters. I cared about, you know, what happened to them or, you know, what their life was before and after and during everything going on, you know, in the video game. Slow-mo cyberware plus katana. Yeah, I don't do melee. I just don't. I, I don't like melee in a first-person perspective. I, I always feel, it never feels good. Who are you? <laughs> and what is the real Lono? That's exactly why I'm replaying most of the story before I touch Phantom Liberty. Lono reading dialogue? Saying so. The side content's good in Cyberpunk. Derek says, I think I'm on your side of the redemption arc way of looking at it. Absolutely, we can and should applaud a game when it turns to this, turns around to this extent, or like No Man's Sky. Yeah, we basically have two redemption stories that I think are, are very measurable. They're very measurable. You can sort of track what happened with No Man's Sky. You can sort of track what happened with cyberpunk it's it's measurable you can sort of see like the 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 points of time where they did big big changes and big big updates and you know especially with no man's sky i think more than anything because they have all those dlcs they're all named they're all free right i i personally think that i i get where people are coming from like there's two sides to my brain there's a side of my brain that's like they really failed we shouldn't support a game that you know that failed so 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 poorly or that misled people so much but then at the same time it's like why would we not support a game devoting 3 years of time to improving a game that they built in what 6 maybe 7 years so they commit half of the original project length to fixing it i think that's admirable i think that's kind of a big deal hang on what are we saying here only if they give the DLC ETC away for free. No Man's Sky was a joke. I mean, I think No Man's Sky's approach is admirable, but I don't think it's the only way to do it. I don't think you have to insist like, hey, if you're going to fix your game, well then you you better you better make the DLCs and the expansions free. Cyberpunk's done 3 years of free updates and free content and free additions you know free they've added a lot of features and stuff that wasn't even there when the game first came out so for me i don't know if i agree with the idea that oh no they they shouldn't they shouldn't charge for the expansion you know i respect the fact that it meant something for them to fix their games as biggie right like i i don't know if i'm against them charging money they they did so much for this game for free before they even my chat just completely crashed i tried to go to oh no there it goes i was trying to go to fan funding and it like just completely froze on me um uh making sure i didn't miss anything okay let me get back to normal chat there we go that was terrible 
If their classes fixes, why shouldn't they be free? Well, now hang on a minute. We we got to make sure we don't get lost in the weeds here. Cyberpunk 2077 2.0 update was totally free. You just get that if you own the game. You can go and play the main game right now and you can test out all those new features. Everything they did to cyberware, uh, to the skill trees, all of that. You, you get all of that totally for free. And if that's compelling enough and you think, okay, the game does feel quite a bit better, I want to I really dedicate some time here, then you can buy Phantom Liberty. You don't have to pay for the fixes. They're completely separated. The, the reason you're buying Phantom Liberty is you're buying a whole new, basically, mini campaign, a whole new area. You've got all the mocap and all the work they did with Idris Elba, all the dialogue. You know what I'm saying? Down with the soccer game. Uh, we, yeah, we didn't win. We didn't win. We're still in second place, and so we get a buy in the single elimination tournament. We didn't win. And my my I don't know what happened. We 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 started strong. We were up 2-0. Should have been up 3-0. One of my girls missed a PK. I was like, are you it was just it was it was rough. It was a hard fought game. It was a hard fought game. As soon as as soon as we lost the lead with everybody started playing like they were tired, it was really weird. It was really weird. The other team didn't have any didn't even have any subs. It was like it was the perfect redemption arc. Can't win them all though. Can't win them all. Hello Games gets more of a pass. Because they were a team of less than 10 people and they lost No Man's Sky stuff in a flood. They also uh, got sued over the procedural generation and had to start over. I don't remember them getting sued over their procedural generation having to start over. Derek says, agreed. The problem isn't applauding the turnaround and the work that going into fixing it. The problem is pre-ordering the day one FOMO with games rushing to play crap on finished games. Well, sure, sure. It's like, what's the problem? Is the problem is the problem that you you buy games and don't and, and you know and, and they they launch and they're crappy or is the problem that like uh, which do we <laughs> which is the real causality of problems here is it supporting developers who fix games and improve games or is it supporting uh, you know practices that allow game companies to get your money before you've ever touched the game or heard about the game or you know know if the game is worth a darn does that make sense Cyberpunk did fix the game and they added content to the game for completely free. The DLC eh, they worked hard on deserved a charge for. Yes. Yo, what's good, Mark Miller? Guys, we still have not gotten feed our man Mark Miller a membership. He's here. He's faithful. Let's try to get this man a membership today. You guys can unlock some great goals, by the way, if we do it. So I think it's well worth doing. Um... Did this guy just change the way that his skills look? That way, I, mine doesn't look like that. Is there ways to change the way the skill trees uh, work? Problem is that the marketing works really, really well. Well, that's why I spent a portion of the opening monologue being like, I don't know why people are saying Cyberpunk's always been a great game. That's so not true. Number one, you're diminishing all the work they've done. It's like, no, it's always been a great game. What the frick? What do you mean? We're, we're sitting here praising how far the game has come. And you're like, yeah, no, it's always been great. That doesn't even make any sense. It's like that takes away so much 
from how much they improve the game. I I, I said it's it's like a big ma- a, a crazy sports comeback, right? The bigger the deficit, the, the the sweeter the victory. It's like this is insane. Yo, five gifted members from JW. We've not had a member train in a while. Let's get one going. Joseph King, Shockwave, Antidepressiva, Eight Bit Dad, and Beyond RPG gaming you guys all got gifted members taking it to eight if you got a gifted membership be sure to say thank you to jw for doing that consider paying it forward and gift a member to somebody else if you can it's always been a great game they just improved no it's 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 objectively false to say this has always been a great game that's not true by their own admission cd project red doesn't agree with you they don't agree with you 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 can demonstrate objectively Objectively, this isn't a subjective opinion thing. Another gifted member from DK Beggar. Thank you so much. Uh, you you can prove this. Like objectively, this is not a subjective thing. Cyberpunk has not always been a great game because you don't do the level of patching, fixing, updating. You don't do that to great games. You do that to bad games. Another gifted member from Rob V. Thank you so much, Rob. Taking us a ten. Appreciate that very very much, Rob. The reviewers agree with us? No, they don't. No, they don't. How many people were, took down their reviews? How many, how many people took down their reviews? What are you talking about? Look at the Metacritic? You mean the people that played a less buggy version of the game and then the real version of the game came out? You mean those reviews? The reviews that basically misled the public? Did I get feed? That's the old feed. I, Feed said he, he couldn't use that account anymore. Feed, did you get your account back? Graydon gifts a member. Thank you so, so much. You got Feed's original account. His He said he couldn't use that account anymore. Look at Metacritic. Right, because Metacritic is a, is, is, is a determiner of whether or not the game was good at launch as you don't get accurate reviews at all. The user score on Metacritic is a 7.1. That's not a great game. It's not. The, the, the Metacritic score that I care about at that time is the user score. Do you want to know why? A 7.1 is right in line with where it landed on Steam. It had like a 73 or a 74% at launch on Steam. That's not a great game. Since when are great games in the 70s? How many great games have won Game of the Year and the general public gave it a 7? How? How many? Those reviews are not accurate at all. Eugene says, literally handpicked and restricted reviews. Those reviews, those are the ones we should trust. How about the people that felt like, what? It, well, who was it? Was it Yong? Yong Ya? Yong Ya ch- uh, took his review down because he felt like it didn't represent the product. Like Asmongold talked about this the other day in a video. He was like, yeah, he's like, apparently a lot of the reviews were very positive because they weren't playing the actual launch version of the game and it had less bugs and problems. And so they're like, yeah, this is a great game. And then the real version of the game launched and everyone's like, this thing runs like trash. Jumpy Koala, thanks for doing a member VIP gold. That's a big one, Dumpy Koala. Thank you. Running to Metacritic, oh, by the way, its Metacritic score isn't even that impressive given the reality of what we know was going on back there. It's got an 86. An 86, bro. It had a 70-something on Steam. It got removed from the PlayStation Store because it was so bad, and so many people wanted refunds. 
but we're supposed to believe it was a great game at launch because the Metacritic review score is an 86. That's not even compelling. Everything that we know about the reviews of Cyberpunk at launch is incredibly suspect. Beyond that, 86? Really? Like, that's not a bad game. I wouldn't describe that as a great game. I also don't think that you commit three years three years of improving a game laundry lists of bug fixes glitches fixing the content making it so the cars don't feel terrible to drive that's not a great game it isn't it's a great game now because they dumped three years into it the the idea that the idea that it's always been a great game basically means that what did they not improve it did they not improve the game? Is it, it like what did they do? Did they just launch an expansion then? Is that all is that all Phantom Liberty really is then? Is just an expansion? I think y'all just roll with the media and go along with what they say. Who? Who are you saying rolls along with the media and what they say? By the way, the critics on Metacritic gave it a 61 on Xbox One and a, and a, and a 57 on PS4. Now I know what everybody does when they see that. They're like well, that is because it ran poorly. That's because it ran poorly on old gen. Really? Explain this to me then. Why does it have a... Can I get the actual a PlayStation 5 score? Is that a user score? Why can't I get the PlayStation 5 score? I can only get the... the, the there it is. There it is. According to this, out of the seven criti- critic reviews of PS5, it got a 75. So it got an 86 when you look at PC. Again, that you're going to a place where they had they had less of the bugs, less of the problems, and you're like, oh, this is the score. That's completely misrepresentative of the game at launch. That is, it's completely misrepresentative. That's not the status of Cyberpunk. It isn't. The status of Cyberpunk when it launched was was abysmal. It's one of the worst launches in the history of video games. I will I will always stand firm on this. Do you want to know why? Because. If we're going to praise how far the game came, we have to be honest about how, how far the game was down when it came out. How low the game was when it came out. That's like saying, we were always winning the game. We were always winning that baseball game. And you spent seven innings with zero runs. You, you see what I'm saying? It's like, the, the, the bigger the deficit, the, the, the better the comeback, the better the victory. And we're like, we're going to act like this game's always been great. That's so dishonest. That's not true at all. Uh, hang on. Xerox was 16. Why are... My stuff's not right. There we go. You ever, like, go to reach for, like, your mouse or something, and there's stuff not in the right position, and your hand just immediately gets confused. It's like, wait, something's wrong. My keyboard had been slid over. I was like, my hand's bumping into something. Xerox was 16 months in a VIP. Cyberpunk had the story... Uh, the characters and setting down on launch, but the gameplay needed to be better and the bugs at launch. 2.0 made things way better. Also, happy 16 months. Thank you so much, Xerox. Thanks for doing VIP. I think about all the real people in the dev studio working a labor of love for three plus years to get the game to how they wanted it to be. That's awesome. Right. Imagine spending three years doing that and then having people like, well, the game's always been great. And they're like, even the devs are going to say, are you sure about that? <clears throat> Are, are you sure about that? Then what did we just do for three years? If the game's always been great, then what did CD Projekt Red do for the last three years? What do they do? 
the amount of bandwidth and resources and manpower they threw at this game are you serious it's always been great well then they look really dumb don't they why would they spend all that time doing all that seriously just install the vanilla version and don't play don't play the version that's out now then if the game's always been great Go back and play the vanilla version then. What are you doing with all the updates? Why do you care? Why are you playing Phantom Liberty? It's always been great. You don't need any of that. That doesn't make any sense. Wasn't Cyberpunk the game Sony refunded at launch? Yeah, they they took it out of the store. They literally took it out of the store because it was so bad, especially on old gen, that they didn't want it in their store. They They had to fix the game to a high enough level of quality that Sony would even put it back in their store. Ray tracing looked great on launch. Path tracing looks better. See how that works? I'm not I'm not I'm not really understanding what you're saying. You understand there wasn't even a next-gen version of this game for the Xbox Series X or the PS5 when it when it launched. Super disingenuous. Are you saying I'm being disingenuous? We have our own experiences with the game and we liked it a ton. I don't care about your experience. We're talking about a reality, not a subjective thing. If you love the game from moment one, that has no bearing on the discussion. It doesn't. You can demonstrate factually that this was not a great game at launch. You can demonstrate that. Yeah, Open Critic, it had a 64% critics recommend and a 76%. So it, it's not that's not a great game. That's not. That is a, that is a mid-game at best. You can demonstrate factually this was not a great game at launch. All I got to do is go back and look at every patch, every fix, every update of the last three years. And it's like, if that's what you had to do to your game, then it wasn't great at launch. What's your first major patch do? We made driving not terrible. A game where you literally drive everywhere... That's like your primary means of getting around if you if you don't want to if you don't want to run or walk. And the driving was so bad that one of their earliest and biggest updates was we made the driving not garbage. It, that's a great game. You think you think that's great? You think a game is great when every patch was just like a CVS receipt of bug fixes and and updates? You think that's a great game? Would, would we say that about any other game that, that has to spend three years to fix itself? I don't think we would. I don't think anybody would look at a game that, that has to do that level of updates, that level of fixes, and, and say, well, no, that's a great game. Nobody would do that. You use fast travel? Well, yeah, you can use the fast travel system. What I'm saying is, is that if one of the base components of the game is so bad that one of your earliest patches is like yeah we made the driving not terrible all the updates they had to do there were so many problems with the game a great game doesn't get removed from a storefront a great game doesn't get record refund requests the great games don't do that that simply isn't true your measure of a great game is, is, is I think extremely suspicious in my mind it's like you are saying it's great because you liked it not because it was great does that make sense you can measure the quality of a game objectively to a certain degree you can you can because there are things that are not debatable 
there are things that are not debatable. House performance. Well, there's glitches. There's bugs. There's crashes. NPCs act really weird. Uh, there's all kinds of problems with some of the mechanics in the game, like driving feels terrible. Those are objective things. Like You can literally measure those and say, these things are qualitatively bad. And once those things stack up high enough, I think you're you're well within your right to be like, this is not a great game. It isn't. Now, I think when you look at The Witcher 3, you're in a completely different scenario. The Witcher 3 had bugs and glitches. They removed those bugs and glitches, and then the game was just amazing. And then they, then they went and did their DLC for free and won the hearts and minds of the, of the public back. And everyone was like, this is an amazing game. Cyberpunk has spent three years doing two things squashing and removing bugs and glitches and refining the game and updating it those two efforts three years long you don't do that to a great game you do that to a bad game you do that to a flawed game you do that to a game that was not ready to launch it's a great game now and it has succeeded in spite of those refunds and being taken off of the store and a game that is not good would not be able to achieve that Hang on, I want to reread this. It's a great game now, and it has succeeded in spite of those refunds and being taken out of the store. And a game that is not good wouldn't be able to achieve that. I think the difference in how I approach this is, I think they had good foundational systems, because I think they know how to do a great RPG. And I think those systems were so good and sound that it enabled them to do this. They were able to go in and update and add things and refine things. Dumpy Koala with five gifted members. Thanks so much for adding to the total today. 16 out of 25. Every 25 members, I gift five. Bad games get canceled. Okay. What happened with this game, though? We can't act as if this is this is the this is the norm. When a game is typically this bad. They're, a lot of the times the developers are not even in a position to do what they want to do. They want to fix it. They want to improve it. And they can't. Because it's not in the budget. It's not a part of what their plans are. They're not allowed to. I think in this case, CD Projekt Red took a very different approach. They're like, no, we're fixing that. I think at some level they had to because I think it was going to damage the future of their of their efforts. It was. It was going to damage the future of their efforts. People are going to look at them and say, The Witcher? Really? Like, are you kidding me? Like, no. What? We're not trusting you. It was. I think this is the win they needed to, to turn their reputation around. They had good foundations, and it released... Uh, and, it, and all... Hang on. They had good foundations and all. It released as a bad game, but now it's the game it should have been. People want to go back and experience it because... Now it's a great game and what it should have been. Holy moly. Punctuation, please. <laughs> Maybe one or two commas. <laughs> I was that was hard. That was that was a reading challenge for me, you know, as a side quest. A side quest reading challenge for Lono early in the morning. Um correction, is CD Project Red a subsidiary of a larger entity? No. No, I don't think so. I mean, they paid for The Witcher 3 with, like, a grant from the government. Zubair says, three separate things. Personal, subjective, communal, subjective, agreement, objective. We keep conflating the first two. From where I sit, I don't think if a game has 
the level of problems that Cyberpunk had when it came out, right? The level of the level of problems they had, the level of work they've had to do, you don't call that a great game. A game that had a 70 it was in the 70% on Steam. It's being refunded on console and has a 76% on Open Critic. That's you would never describe that as a great game. There's clearly something wrong. There's clearly a problem, right? Everybody wants to act like it was just bad on old gen. That's that's where all the controversy came from. It's a great game. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's not at all. Creature says they are not. CD Projekt Red recently split into three developers with smaller uh, two subsidiaries of CD Projekt Red. Right, didn't they do that when they were planning all the Witcher projects? The driving at launch was great. The cars literally could be launched. Really? Oh, there you go. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Performance, bugs, crashes. Did you see the Redfall update? I don't have have any comment. I I just think you're in a real bad... You're in a real bad state if that's... If that's cause for celebration and and talking smack, that update. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like it's like losing seven innings. Seven in- <laughs> I can't even talk. It's like losing seven innings in a row and getting somebody on base and like puffing your chest out. It's like, really? <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, but we got a guy on base. Okay. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> I don't want to talk about that, dude. I'm avoiding that. I am avoiding the that that company and that community. Oh, uh, they're all they're just awful. I can't do it. I really I can't even take them serious. It's like you got to be freaking kidding me. Gray God says, you got to F up a game pretty bad for Sony and companies to be like, yeah, we'll refund you no problem. Well, I mean, that's, I think, one of the things everybody forgets is, again, if you're going to try to claim, oh man, MK, MK Ice and Fire successfully talked these guys down. No way. I got annoyed and, and shot him. This is something about cyberpunk I love. I was watching Asmongold react to that one video, and it was comparing cyberpunk to Starfield and the NPCs, and Asmongold was like, I did not know you could do this. He's like, I just shot the guy, and Asmongold was blown away, because there's all this work, there's all this work that goes into this option, and you never see it. This is a different exchange. Asmongold watched a different, a different part. I'm talking about this part for me personally. I didn't see any of this because I just got annoyed and shot them. Like they were, I, I thought they were going to start shooting. I was like, no, these guys are bad news. They're bad news. They, they're they're, they're going to shoot us. And I'm, I'm just was like, I just started shooting. So anyways, I started blasting. Like, I absolutely love that. That, that, that they put that level of work into the game. I never saw it. Now, lately, I've been trying to be more diplomatic and I've been trying to talk to more people because I had one go right and I was like, ooh, I want to do that more often now. I want to see if I can figure this out like a puzzle 
instead of just being like, oh, shut up, you know, and, 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 and shooting them. There was a side quest that I did, no spoilers, there was a side quest that I did in Cyberpunk that was like, there, it, it was a moral dilemma situation, and Johnny Silverhand was giving me guff about it, so I went and did the optional stuff, and it gave me the information that I needed to handle the outcome differently, and then I got, like, the perfect outcome. I didn't do the I didn't do the bad thing, but I also achieved what needed to be done and I did a good thing like all all because I went and did the optional stuff. I was like this is this is fantastic. I and again, I'm gonna tell you Starfield made me appreciate Cyberpunk more. It did. I don't think I would have been tuned into that stuff. I wouldn't have noticed it. If Starfield didn't exist, and I would have just come back to Cyberpunk with Phantom Liberty, I'm fairly certain I would have enjoyed it. But I'm noticing all the little, all the little things that that CD Projekt Red makes sure is there. Just the little things, the the ambient sound when you go into like a really busy area, people all along the streets and cars, and when you're interacting with somebody, the di- the dynamics of the scene. Like this guy just sat up in his seat. And sometimes they'll get up out of their chair and they'll walk around or they'll or they'll ask you to sit down or whatever. There's so many layers to how you can interact with a particular scene. It it genuinely feels like, oh, I, I can, I can kind of do what I want here. I can kind of do what I want. I can tell this guy to screw off. I can take a drink. I can sit down. I can say, no, I prefer to stand. Like I can do all those different things. And I'm 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 ser- I'm dead serious. I feel like my experience in Starfield made me appreciate those things more. They even improved the ambient conversation. People slammed it for not being an RPG, but it actually is one. There is plenty of moments where being aggressive will cost you later. Right. I remember when we were having a conversation about this game in particular, and people were like, "Well, the shooting doesn't have to feel good because it's an RPG." And I was like, "What? Like that? What? How is that a defense?" The shooting feels great. They did a lot to make the shooting feel great and all the different things you can invest in. It just it the guns actually feel really tight, especially when you invest in all the different things you can do to them. It's like, well, there's a lot here. And again, this could be one of those things that's that's on the developers. They give you like really bad guns in the beginning maybe, and so maybe that's one of those things where like, no, when you get to like the 12th hour, the guns get great. And it's like I booted up Phantom Liberty, and the and the guns they gave me are great. I, I didn't have any issue. The first two hours, my guns felt awesome. I, I, I didn't have this massive, fleshed-out skill tree for gunplay. You know what I mean? It's not a shooter. <laughs> Bare minimum, RPG is just a character you play that has progression, like World of Warcraft. I mean, I don't feel like having that debate again. I, that's... that's we, I, I've got plans to maybe do a show about that, but that not I don't want to do that today. Have you tried the photo mode? No, I have not. You know why I haven't tried the photo mode? I want to get stuff done. <laughs> I There were a couple of play sessions where as soon as I started playing, I started messing with what my character looked like. And I was like, I'm going to get lost in this. I was like, I got I to gotta move. I got to move. I got to get some missions done. They revamped the perk system. I'm creating intentional builds. Yeah, I've been periodically going in and, and picking perks that I feel like are actually benefiting me in the game. Things that affect... How fast your little health thing regens, um, how much health you get, uh, what you can do while dashing. Um, I'm really enjoying it. It really feels like you can craft your own your own build with 
with how it feels. Patrick gifts a member, and he goes to Jose. Thank you so much for doing that, Patrick. Guys, we are in the 2300s on members, and we're going for the 3000 goal. So you guys are going to have to go really, really big. It's still early in the month. we got plenty of time. We could obviously bump Fright Night to next month. It won't be as contextual doing Fright Night in November, but we can still you know, give you guys those those perks. That's how we've always done it. If you earn something in, in a month, we do it in the next one. We're doing October a little bit differently because of the theme of Fright Night. Air Dodge with Double Jump turns you into a superhero. I know. I'm trying to get to Air Dodge. I'm like level 25, and I was, I was spending some of my earlier points on the one that just gives you more health in general and I was like oh man I need to respect so I can get air dodge because <laughs> it, it sounds and I've seen people doing it it looks really really fun sometimes air jumping is more efficient than driving yeah I've been doing this thing where I dodge forward and then I jump at the tail end of it it like you can get you can almost get momentum you're almost skipping like a stone uh, there were a couple times where I was I felt the same way I was like I feel like I'm moving a little bit more efficiently doing this sometimes you get in like tight areas and there's all this stuff on the road and people and it's just easier to not have to deal with that and then if you have to like go upstairs or something or take like a sharp turn on a ramp sometimes it's easier just to be like dodging jumping dodging jumping you know it, it reminds me of strafe jumping in quake 3 a little bit you get your momentum up and uh you can you can just kind of cruise Hey, somebody ordered some coffee. Thank you so much. Three bags of dark roast to Eugene. Guys, if you fill out your coffee order and you punch in your username, I'll be able to shout you out when you order some coffee. If you're a coffee drinker and you've never tried Reforged Roast before, you should give it a try. Got balanced acidity. It makes it incredibly smooth. I, I drink it. I'm drinking dark right now. We were drinking light. Now we're back on the dark. Behemoth with 31 months. And a VIP gold. Hi, Lono. Thanks for the amazing content. Thank you, Behemoth. Have a great Monday. How are you, Splataw? The bunny hopping is very convenient, especially in Phantom Liberty, where the area is really crowded. I need one more level for air dodge. I'm going to be uh, a quick hacking, dashing cyber ninja. That Eugene's a good man, says Zubair. Lono, with dodge, jump, and air dash, you can do the dash jump twice. Oh, that sounds fun. The music is so perfect. Uh, for the stream, yeah, I've got some, I've got some, I've got some swag on from Into the AM. So make sure if you guys are trying to get a little bit, you know, cozied up for the colder temperatures, I'm wearing a zip-up hoodie from them, and then I obviously got this amazing sort of. It feels like the the the, the cover for like a synthwave album or something. Very very fitting for cyberpunk. Uh, all the great synthwave music. So I got a T-shirt on from there. I got a hoodie on from there. They've got a fall collection. So, if you're trying to get a little bit cozied up for the cooler temperatures, make sure and use code LONO or into the am.com forward slash LONO. And uh, if that was supposed to be an instant notification that was super delayed... Oh, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. I just hadn't checked my email. You did that like 40 minutes ago. Through that FOMO, says Derek, I'm waiting until the movie or game is actually finished before I spend a dollar or a minute on it. Being able to jump out of a vehicle now and slam down on enemies is so fun. Yes, I've seen clips of people doing that. Yep. Mm -hmm. Imagine if Cyberpunk released this way. It would currently be known as a revolutionary game that acts as a beacon of light for all gaming. Sane says, Cyberpunk always had loads of endings. Phantom Liberty only added one more. 
Is it shipped to the UK? Yeah, I think so. I don't think I don't think Into the AM has like limited shipping. You have to check. I'm I'm fairly certain they do. Uh, here's the thing about that phrase, Cram. You know, if it, if it launched in this way today, you know, would it be seen as this as this beacon of this is what you should do? This is how RPGs should be, right? I I, I don't disagree with what you're saying. I don't disagree. Um, part of me wonders though if I think both stories are great like if it launched like this right now I'm trying to play that out of my mind like I think people would basically say I think in a lot stronger sort of way people would say Cyberpunk beats the tar out of Starfield is what I think people would say I think people are less likely to say that right now because they're they don't feel like it's fair. I don't know why it's not fair. I don't know why Bethesda is, you know, oh, it's fine if the game's not excellent at start. Well, you know, Cyberpunk's excellent because they've worked on it for three years. And it's like, oh, okay. Doesn't that mean as long as you work hard on your game, it can be excellent? I don't, I don't understand that idea. That that's like, I get why it's not fair because we're basically comparing a 10 year project to, I mean, I don't, I don't know how long they've worked on Starfield because they worked on Cyberpunk, I'm imagining six or seven years. I think I know they're three, right? That T reminds me of your OG intro video. Yeah, a little bit. Eugene says, if it had launched this way, I'd be playing it. They wouldn't have had to spend $120 million to fix it and release DLC. It would have shaken the industry, but not at the level of what The Witcher 3 did, to be honest, says Sane. Cyberpunk Phantom will win DLC of the year. What a redemption arc. Oh, I don't think it's any contest. It, it, for, as far as category for like DLC of the year, yeah, I, I don't think there's a contest at all there. Cyberpunk basically had three years of early access. Yeah, does this add to my argumentation about early access? I wonder if it does. Like I'm trying to formulate that monologue in my mind. Like that's a show I think I want to do. Maybe that I, I believe early access it should be utilized more often. I think it should. I think Cyberpunk proves that. Baldur's Gate 3 proves that. Um, I mean, I'll even say I kind of feel like Starfield proves that. Uh, Diablo 4 proves that. You know, if Diablo 4 would have launched in early access a couple of years ago, we would have gotten a much different a, a much different game. You know? Completely different games. What are completely different games? If it had launched this way, we might have gotten another DLC. We know they're moving on to the sequel, but now people want more content because the game is that good now. Baldur's Gate 3 proved that three years of early access can work. For a game built on balance and systems, absolutely you need early access, says Zubair. Bro, I don't see Starfield getting the cyberpunk level, says Broken Lobo. The engine will hamstring any meaningful graphical updates, but they can definitely create incredible contents to keep gamers coming back. I mean, just this here alone, in cyberpunk gameplay, just this right here, I'm surprised by how much I just do this. I just drive around. Like, I'm just... I'm just like, oh, I'll take my car. Uh, you know, I don't need to. I don't need to try to fast travel. I don't need to try to get there as quickly as possible. You know, 
I just hop in my car and go. Right now, I prefer the motorcycle. The motorcycle feels the best. I like being able to see my character, right? She's got these awesome gold pants on and a really cool jacket. And I just think she looks dope, right? She looks like really like punk rock. And, you know, so I like the motorcycle. But I'm I'm sort of surprised by how much I just am like, yeah, I'm just going to drive around, you know. I'll get there when I get there. It, there's something... I don't know. There's something about the game that I did not expect. I did not expect to be sort of pulled into the world of cyberpunk, you know, to the experience of cyberpunk. I just didn't expect that to happen. You know, I thought for sure I was going to have to lean heavily on the combat and the guns. And I I thought I was going to treat it more like, like a borderlands or something like, well, I'm just going to focus on getting a really fun build and really good guns and that's how I'm going to enjoy this game. I was worried that the story and the navigating the city and the dialogue and the NPC interactions, I was worried that was just going to absolutely turn me off. And the opposite has happened. What do you do between missions in Cyberpunk? Well, in between missions, sometimes it tells you like, hey, you know, do some gigs so you can grab like little side gigs and do those. Um, you can just explore and like look for stuff, right? Last night something crashed. It was like a PUBG thing, right? This big thing, this chest crashed, and red smoke was coming off of it, and there were all these bad guys around it. Yeah, I stole somebody's Akira bike last night. It was pretty awesome. Um, there were always bad guys around it, and I was like, I want to see what's in that chest. I don't know what's going on over there. So I step into it, and this guy's like, hey, and he turns around. I'm like, hey, hey, yourself. And I just start shooting everybody. And then I get up on top of where the where the chest was, and I, it's got a bunch of loot in it. It's got guns. It's got outfits. I was like, this is sick. So now I'm, like, on the lookout for these things. That's only in Dogtown? Oh, I don't know. I, it just happened, so I did it. I was... I was like, I was like, I'm, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna see what happens. It was, it was pretty cool. Ghost of Tsushima never looked amazing graphically. I don't agree with that at all. It's been highly praised for its graphics and its setting, and you know the, the use of atmosphere and color. I, you're, I don't think anybody that that measures graphical performance or art direction in a game agrees with you. That's, a, that's a weird game to, to single out anyway. Oh yeah, it's only in Dogtown. Hmm. Anybody getting crashes on PC while playing with path tracing? I've had some instability and nothing is overclocked. Oh, that's only in Dogtown. Okay, okay. Final Fantasy 16, Starfield, Lies of Peace, Cyberpunk, DLC. They just keep coming. It's too many games. It's too many games. Ghost is a stupid pretty game. Yeah, I feel like he's just baiting maybe because he knows I like Ghost of Tsushima. Like, of all the games to single out and say, like, you don't think it ever looked... What do you say? It never looked amazing graphically. The atmosphere was great in the art direction, but the graphics weren't great. I don't know what you mean by graphics. What do, What are you saying? Did you play that on, like, a PS4? And, I don't know, like a low-resolution television or something? I don't understand what you're saying or why, why you're saying it. <laughs> Okay, that's one of Hanson's drops. In the lore, I think it's how the fortified Dogtown gets supplies. Oh, okay, okay. I mean, it seemed like it because it was all of his guys around it. Like, they were there to pick it up. And if you don't do it fast enough, it goes away. There was one on a rooftop, and I couldn't get there fast enough. Oh, Broken Lobo, he's responding to you. 
Oh, someone was comparing it to Cyberpunk. I was like, why did you just randomly say Ghost of Tsushima? That felt so out of left field. No, he's not trolling. No, he was responding to Broken Lobo. I mean, I feel like Nyx has been here for a long time. Nyx has a purple badge, and the name is familiar. I don't think they're trolling. Yeah, Nyx has got a three-year-old account on YouTube. No, I don't think so. I don't think Nyx is trolling. He's got a PS4 hooked up with RGB cables. This is what it sounds like. Good night. The opening scene where you're riding your horse through the field of white flowers was a wow moment. Yeah, they they the setting, the way they set up the setting, it's, it's just it's remarkable. You're in some of those scenes where like the yellow and the red leaves are sharply contrasted against like the 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 gray sky in the background. There's this, there's this art direction in Tsushima that I believe is trying to communicate to you what Jin is trying to achieve, that all is gray and dark and dreary and all seems lost, and yet there's still beauty that is retainable. There is still beauty that is redeemable. I think they're intentional with that in Ghost of Tsushima. The world is dotted with color and beauty in the midst of the mud and the fog and the dreariness and the sadness. There's, there's probably some very intentionality there with the art direction of Tsushima to, to communicate both what you're trying to do. Uh, you're trying to retain your own sense of like beauty and your own sense of goodness and not succumbing to revenge. Um, and I think that the, the darkness and the evil and what the, you know, what the Mongols are trying to do is represented in the, in the, the mud and the drab. The sky is sometimes very gray. And then sometimes the sky is, is, is beautiful. Like, I think the contrast in that game, the juxtaposition, I think, is very intentional. As far as cyberpunk, like, I feel like cyberpunk is, I think it's arguably one of the best-looking games I've ever played. I don't necessarily know if it, if it looks better than Burning Shores, but man, oh man, this is one of the best-looking games I've played. Like with with all the updates, all the lighting, everything. Now I'm still getting some performance issues. And that is a bit of a bummer. They're not major, but in certain areas, I got I got a little bit of screen tearing last night, and then I got it's just some stutters. So, but it is just gorgeous, and it's one of those things where if you're having a good time, you kind of don't care. Like in Jedi Survivor, after they fixed it, I was having such a good time. And I was just in uh, the minor performance issues that were still there just didn't bother me. Do you know what I mean? You need to do an episode on the wider issue of gaming. With games being released in a poor, released in a poor state, every gamer, uh, every game has and will always have issues. But if you need to spend years fixing a game, there is an issue. I don't know if that's as common these days, is it? I feel like we're seeing less of that because it doesn't work. It's so damaging. Lono, on the 4090 with whatever that super ray tracing mode is, Cyberpunk is the best looking game available on the market. Red Dead Redemption was a beauty without any RTX. Pure asterization. Never played, uh, but a rougher beautiful also. Oh, a rougher beautiful. You feel like you're playing a next-gen game with Cyberpunk. With the caveat that only like 1% of us can play this way, the path tracing mode is without a doubt the most beautiful game I've ever played. Nothing's even close. Control with ray, trace, with ray tracing is a distant second. Some Cyberpunk 2.0 testers reported the graphic settings being super buggy still, so you may be seeing issues because your settings 
are changing. I mean, I'm playing on PS5, so I'm not messing with anything. They did push out that big update the other day. I I didn't have any of the issues that it was addressing. Guys, we've been streaming for over an hour. We've been streaming for about an hour and a half. Can we set our sights on 300 likes? That should be very, very easy. And then let's set our sights on the member goal as well. Those are all ways to support the channel. If you haven't hit subscribe yet, hit subscribe. That way you can talk in the chat and become a part of the conversation. I know, rate tracing i do that all the time trying to say ray tracing five times fast is uh is not easy is not at all I, I do i've done that before i think that's like the third time i've done that in the past couple of weeks uh i agree that even if you turn off ray tracing and you put it on ultra it's a very pretty game i'm able to play ray tracing ultra with barely any frame drop it's awesome can't wait to see what remedy does with alan wake 2 yeah that one's right around the corner uh, Alan Wake 2 and that one's getting um, that one's getting good good response right they weren't reviews they were previews right we've not seen reviews just previews it's getting confusing because there's so many games coming out I can't even remember if we've seen because what, what they've been doing is, is they've been doing they'll do like announcement then they'll do trailer then they'll do gameplay gameplay then they do previews and then they do reviews I don't think we've seen the reviews yet. It's just been previews. At least that's my that's my understanding. It's insanely gorgeous. Looks as good as Callisto Protocol, and that game is super linear and close, closed in space. I don't know if anything looks as good as Callisto Protocol in the realm of people. Like, if the I think as far as what people's faces and realism, I don't think anything looks as good as Callisto Protocol. I'm I'm serious. I'm like, I'm like, how did they do this? It's sad that that game did, did so poorly. It really is. It's sad that it was so bad at launch. I'm, you know, we're hearing that it's better, but those those guys look real in that game. I mean, that's not even Uncanny Valley. Like, I think that game climbs that game climbs out of the Uncanny Valley, which I don't think is easy to do. I think when you make things look that realistic, it can sometimes look a little unsettling. And I, I think that game manages to uh, to avoid that, which is a feat. I think that's a feat. I have an upload coming today about The Last of Us 2 Remaster, the rumors or whatever. Um, I, I think they're... At this point, I think they're more than rumors. That's what we're going to be going to after this. We're going to go over there uh, to that premiere in about 50 minutes. About 40, uh, 45 minutes from now. Uh, Callisto can't touch the character models in Miles Morales and Horizon Forbidden West. What? The character models in Miles? They're not bad, but they're not even close. Callisto Protocol looks like they look like real people. They do not look like real people in Miles. They don't. It's more artistic. It's more stylized. That is not... Miles is not nearly, not nearly as photorealistic as Callisto. Not at all. Neither is Horizon. Horizon's gorgeous, but they are very stylized. They are not at all going for, like, hyper-photorealism. The dudes in Callisto, they look like photographs of, of people. It's insane. I think Callisto looks better than Spider-Man 2. I mean, saying it looks better, how though? Like, if you specifically talk about the faces and the people, sure. 
but like the world of Spider-Man 2 looks absolutely gorgeous but it is again it's it's more stylized they're not going for they're going for a a blend of stylized photorealism and I feel like Callisto Protocol was like no this this needs to look real this needs to look like a real guy is on a real space station getting pummeled I don't I think the approach is very very different I do Miles, Spider-Man was uh, was stylized. Why would you compare? That's what I'm saying. That's just those are weird games to compare. Maybe the most realistic environment too. Yeah, Callisto is is on another level of realism. It truly is. It, it deserves to be praised for that. It, even though it struggled, even though it wasn't a great game, it deserves to be praised for how beautiful it is. I still stand by that. The Dead Space remake. Callisto Protocol kicks the tar out of the Dead Space remake as far as graphical fidelity. They're not even in the same hemisphere. They're not. They are not. The hair and up-close facial features in Miles is what I would say gives it the edge. I mean, you're welcome to that opinion. I, I I don't see that being one that's easy to argue. Like, I'm trying to imagine arguing your position, and I don't think I could do it. If I tried to argue as best I could... It's just Miles and Spider-Man are so stylized. They don't look hyper photorealistic at all. They don't. I and and again, are you comparing cinematics to in-game as well? Like even in-game the Callisto guys look. It's I don't even aren't they the same in-game as they are in Aren't they the same? It's the same, isn't it? Isn't the cinematics in Callisto in the engine, as well as like when you're playing, it's like the same models. I feel like that's how they did that. I'm, I'm having a hard time remembering now. I never dropped a game as hard as I dropped Starfield. Uh, I was on the last artifact, and I kid you not, it would just another proc generated boring location that I had done four times. It was sad. Have you seen this channel? He recently dropped a video titled Starfield has the most next gen looking NPCs ever great three-minute laugh four days ago there has been a lot of cyberpunk versus starfield videos and i consumed a lot of them this morning i think the most remarkable thing about the videos is they try to stay so fair they're just like they, they genuinely try to be super fair they're not trying to like grind some you know tribal axe and asmongold was reacting to one of them i think he was reacting to co-carnage and Asmongold literally said, he's like, the people that are out here defending Starfield this hard, he's like, they're always Xbox fanboys every time. And he just quickly went to Twitter and he was like, look, here's somebody that replied to me. He's like, look at his account. Look at what he's doing. And it was some guy like with an Xbox, you know, profile or whatever. And he was fair. He said, both sides do it. He says, you know, fanboys in general, this is just what they do. But he was saying, he was like, anybody that says anything about this game he's like this is what they get this is the treatment that they get and I was I found it remarkable that all the videos I watched that were like okay so Cyberpunk Phantom Liberty and Starfield are both attempting to do very similar things which game does it better and they were very fair they were very careful they were very measured and it's like I I guarantee you I guarantee you they're getting the hate like the one guy literally called Asmongold a stupid pony he's like yeah whatever stupid pony and it's just like the, the conversation I think is a fair one I think it's a fair one it totally is the interactions are so similar 
you, you go into a room and there's a person waiting for you for the mission and you talk to them and the things that you choose and the things that you do, it's like, you know, the that's going to have, you know, an impact on the outcome of the mission and, and the story. It's like the way that the games flow, the, the, the systems that they have in place, they're very, very much trying to do similar things and they get there in different ways. They are like the, you, you get there in very different ways. Asim didn't realize how big the fanboy wars were until he criticized Starfield. Well, him and Mighty Keith are learning some some valuable lessons. They really are. They're getting a glimpse into the insanity. They real they really truly are. Everybody everybody acts like when I was like shocked and surprised. Like you know what I wanted to do today instead of being like instead of putting on the thumbnail Cyberpunk changed my mind. I want to be like Cyberpunk's better than Starfield. I'll say it. Like I'll say it. It's better. It's it's a thousand times better. At every level it's better, right? It does it does everything that Starfield tries to do. Cyberpunk does it better. Just just name something. Name an element of the RPG experience and what you do and I'm like, yeah, Cyberpunk does it better. The only thing where they sort of tie is the skill trees. That was the general consensus of all the videos I watched. The only thing where it's like close or they tie is the skill trees. That's it. But you want to know why I didn't put that on the thumbnail? Why I didn't put that in the title? Because the whole thing's just exhausting. It's just exhausting. It's like you can't have an opinion about this without it being turned into your pony. And everybody didn't believe me when I said earlier this year that I was kind of shocked by how tribalistic everything had become. Then Mighty Keef, he sticks his head out and he's like, oh my gosh. He's like, this is insanity. And then Asmongold is like, this is insanity. This is nuts. It's like, you can't say anything about these games. It's, it's, it's bizarre. I beat Starfield, would not recommend. That's <laughs> I love that endorsement <laughs> or the lack of endorsement. I should say the people that are like, I beat it. It's bad. I beat it. Don't. <laughs> I watched all 24 episodes of this show. Don't watch it. <laughs> that's, that's remarkable. Starfield has better ship building. <laughs> you can't build or fly a spaceship in cyberpunk. That's right. Checkmate. You also can't build and create outposts. Okay. I said, if they attempt to do the same thing, Cyberpunk does it better. I was, I, I, I qualified. I was like, listen, anything they attempt to do, if they both attempt to do it, Cyberpunk does it better. The only thing that's a tie is the skill trees. That's it. That's it. Somebody else's joke, but Cyberpunk only has one planet. <laughs> Well, the one guy said it. I appreciated what he said. He said, listen. He's like, when it comes to the open world, he said, you know, cyberpunk is more handcrafted. It's more curated. It, You know, you're going to feel like things are more intentionally placed and, and things are happening in a more genuine way. Okay. And he says, Starfield, he's like, it's just more of an open sandbox you know, and I said this morning, it's an open sandbox that leans heavily on procedural generation. And that zaps a lot of the potency and a lot of the impact. It, it's hard to have impact on like your fifth planet and it's just 
random vegetation hills and animals it's just it's hard for it to have potency and impact like this is supposed to be meaningful that i'm out here doing all this and it and it just doesn't especially if you come from no man's sky it's like why kind of better over there anyway like it's prettier it's more immersive yeah landing is pretty cool taking off is pretty cool yeah it's it's hard it's i think it's difficult to 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 praise those things when you just you go and play another game and I, let me phrase it this way i think starfield fell victim to the idea that procedural generation and this very broad experience is in and of itself qualitative enough does that make sense like i think they bought into that lie like the lie that so many people have been kind of pushing against with map bloat or big games just for the sake of making them big i think ac mirage and final fantasy 16 and even phantom liberty i think are proving that no you you have got you can't lean away from handcrafted and here's why i think this is important i was on the other side of this issue i think earlier on when i was thinking about starfield and i was thinking about the scope of what we could experience i remember hardcore bethesda fans telling me this game's gonna suck because there's like no handcraftedness to it it's gonna be bland and boring and i watched a video by Josh Strife Hayes, and he touched on this, and I thought he did an excellent job. He just sort of riffing with his live audience about it. It wasn't a planned video. It was a script. He's just sort of sitting there looking handsome, and as he always does, and he's just sort of talking with the audience about it. And I feel that I very much have gone in a different direction where I want a more handcrafted, more curated, more contained experience because I feel like the quality and the potency goes up. Now, you may push back and say, no, no, no. Open sandbox, level of freedom, I chart my own path. That matters more to me. If that's the case, then I think Starfield is just a dream for you. It is. It's a dream. But I think some of this is because of how I game now. I, I need I need it to hit harder. I need there to be more potency to the game. And when you take a game and you spread it out like that to where I'm the one doing the work, I'm the one crafting the excitement, I'm the one having to make it interesting, brother, I don't have time for that. I, I don't have time for that. It would be like telling somebody, well, this show's really interesting, but you have to go and read all of the lore on this website to understand what's going on. It's like, I'm just trying to be entertained in the evening. I'm not trying to do all that work. And I feel that a more handcrafted, a more curated experience delivers a greater level of potency and a greater greater level of entertainment to me. This is me me personally. My life situation, that's better for me. Now, if you've got five or six hours a day to just throw at a game, I think Starfield can be amazing for you. But for me, brother, I don't have that kind of time. I can give you one or two hours. I need something to happen. I need it to be exciting. I need it to be awesome. I need it to be handcrafted to a certain degree. I can't have this. Well, you landed on this planet and you walked for 25 minutes and you didn't find anything and you went down a cave and there were some guys and some weapons and you've had this experience like six times already. All right, time to leave. Fast travel, loading screen, fast travel, loading screen, fast travel, loading screen. I don't have time for all that. You're, you're zapping my life away. It's like, I got an hour and a half to two hours max. Not even every night of the week. 
Some nights I can't even play because I've got something else going on. So I think I've evolved. I think I've evolved as a gamer because of where I am in my life. There was a time where I could sit here and play a live service game with you guys. I know we joked about how I just sat in orbit, but we all know when new content would come out, I would play hard for two weeks, grind my face off, do like 16-hour streams, get ahead of the curve, and then coast for the rest of a season or the rest of a DLC or whatever. And it's like, that's all I did. And when you can give a game that much time, you don't mind if it's more quantitative than qualitative. Why? Because you're going to play more. You're going to get more by by volume, if that makes sense. I can put more, more hours into this game. I can accrue more time. Therefore, I don't care if stuff's more thinned out, more spread out. That's fine. If I can play for five or six hours and I have one or two crazy cool experiences, then that's... That's great. I, I see guys having those experiences in Starfield, right? They're like, oh, this side story was so cool. It was so surprising. Man, more power to you. I don't I don't, I don't, don't like games like that anymore. I don't. I, the idea, like, that, that's why AC Mirage hooked me. Because I knew I got a taste. And I was like, I can do this for about 20 hours. Have cool story. Have cool experiences. And then put the game down. And I can I can take satisfaction in that. And other people probably look at that and think, no, man. No, 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 no. I want Valhalla. I want Endless. I want hundreds of hours. I want... And we got into this debate about Spider-Man and how long it takes to Platinum, right? The idea of a more contained experience. I think we're seeing that shift right now. I think we're going to... I think we're going to see devs pivot back to a more contained or more hybrid approach like if they're going to lean on if they're going to lean on um, a procedural generation I think they're going to lean on it a lot lighter than they have been because I think in general what what happens is, is you start to see games come out and it's like what what are, what what is this game about what are we doing it feels it feels bland it feels empty it feels copy paste there's no passion there's no love Every single time I'm in a scene or a dialogue sequence in Cyberpunk, I'm expecting something to happen. I'm like, something's going to happen. Something cool's going to happen, right? I'm going to learn something new, you know? And I, I don't have that feeling in a game like Starfield where I feel so much is... So much is just not combed over and crafted it's just sort of placed there like yeah there's a guy where you can talk to there's this village you can find there's this cave you can find and I think that's great for people that want the open sandbox but it's not great for somebody that wants a more curated experience yeah I think Elden Ring would be a good example of a game that blended open world and a game that you can you can feast on for hundreds of hours but it also feels very handcrafted and very cared for except for some of the fights near the end that I don't like (laughs) But you see, like, I think Elden Ring is a good middle ground. I would say Tears of the Kingdom is probably a good middle ground. If I could play Tears of the Kingdom at 60 FPS, I would not have put that game down. I would have played that game until my eyes were bleeding. Because it just it was such a good blend of, I can live in this world for hundreds of hours. And it feels, it feels handcrafted. It feels cared for. It feels intentional. And... What I'm saying doesn't mean that Starfield is a bad game and Cyberpunk is a better game or great game or good game or whatever. It just, to me, 
that's what I'm going to gravitate to. That's why I think Cyberpunk's better. It's like, I think Cyberpunk, for me, I think it's just a far better game. It's it's just it's doing these things in these categories. It's doing them so much. It's such a higher level of quality. So, let me set this up here. The Last of Us Part 2. So that's our upload for today. Uh, we need eight more to hit the first 25 on the member goal, guys. Let's make sure and hit that today. I'll owe you five. I gift those five during the premiere. We've got about 30 minutes before we're going to go to that uh, premiere. So make sure you're ready for that. I'll redirect you and everything. I'm setting up the members-only debrief. I know people are going to have strong opinions about A Last of Us Part Two remake so we did that as an upload and then we will discuss it in an in a, in a in a live environment for members only that is a members only debrief but the upload will be for everybody it'll go live in a little bit can we get 16 more likes on the video we should easily have 300 likes let me set this up there we go peace no member here no you can watch the upload you can watch the upload I do a two and a half hour live show every day and then an upload. Sometimes I do two live shows, but that's typically what I do is I do two things and then we go to members. So you can always consume the live show and the upload and you do not have to be, uh, you do not have to be a member. We make, we give, I believe we give more, if not almost an exact equal amount of content for free that we do uh, for members. The Remnant 2 procedural generation is fantastic. It has handcrafted stories and items, but it depends on what you roll. Well, and I, I, but I see, here's the thing. I think Remnant 2 is trying to do something different, right? I think Remnant 2 is trying to do something different. It's trying to give you a more loopable, a, a more loopable content format. And I think that's different than a game like Cyberpunk or Starfield. There's an element to Remnant 2 that feels a little bit more like a Diablo or like a Destiny. Like they need to give you a way to re, you know, repeat and replay and grind. So they have to lean on a mechanism like procedural generation in order to achieve that. Does that make sense? I think you can use that level. I think you can use that technology without feeling like Oh, it just completely guts the game of life and soul. Returnal is procedural generated as well. No. Returnal is set pieces that always look exactly the same. It just connects them in different order. And the enemies are different every time the way that rogues do, but it's not procedural generation. You're not going to like go in a room in Returnal and be like, I've never, I've never seen this room before. Yes, you have. You've just seen it in different order. Does that make sense? You can run through Biome 1 in Returnal, and there are certain rooms that you won't see. And then the next time you run it, you see those rooms. But anytime they show up, their, their geometry is the same as it was the last time. It's just in different order. Does that make sense? So, like, there's a level of procedural generation going on. It's like taking rooms and putting them in different order. So your experience is always random. The enemies in those rooms is always different. Um, so, but that's that that's how they do it in Returnal. A lot of a lot of rogues do that. They're not literally like creating the room that you're about to go into, though. 
<laughs> oh, Jake says for yeah, his game of the year is Remnant too. Yeah, he he was making it personal. When someone says my game of the year, yeah, he's saying this this is my game of the year. There's a big difference between there's a big difference between saying what do you think wins game of the year and what's your game of the year? There, those are two completely different answers a lot of the times. Now, sometimes it'll be the same game. Somebody will say, well, my game of the year is Baldur's Gate 3. It's also the one that's going to win. Like, I would never say Baldur's Gate 3 is my game of the year. I don't have time for it right now. Like, my wife and I are just not at a point where we can play it. That's a game you've got to be able to throw hours at to get to get out of it, right? But I know it's going to win. Like, I know it's going to win. My game of the year, personally, with an asterisk next to it, would be Jedi Survivor. And the asterisk is, y'all y'all messed up, A.A. Ron. Like, you guys launched the game and it wasn't ready. They don't deserve a single award for how that game was treated. You know? I think the layout is even procedural. I think there's a limited number of layouts as well. That's probably true, Eugene, because there's rules they have to adhere to. Like, the house has to show up at a certain point. There's a couple of rooms that are always there and have to be there, and there's only so many rooms that can connect them. I think you're probably correct that there's a handful of, of layouts. I bet you somebody's figured it out. <clears throat> My game of the year is Starfield. I think Tears of the Kingdom will take it. No. It doesn't stand a chance against uh, against Baldur's Gate 3. Spider Man coming in hot to steal the crown from Jedi for Lono. Maybe. Maybe. It's going to be hard to beat a Star Wars game. It's going to be hard to beat a Star Wars game. Because growing up, I was a huge Star Wars fan and a huge Superman fan. So Marvel and Spidey and all that, that kind of came later in my life. So I don't have as much nostalgic attachment to Spidey. I do have attachment to him because my daughter loves him. And when she was a kiddo, she had all this Spider-Man stuff. And she she still to this day loves him. She prefers Doctor Strange now. Um... But, but, I, I have a, long, a stronger attachment and a longer standing sort of, you know, relationship with, uh, with Star Wars. How many games get nominated? There will likely be six games nominated for Game of the Year. Um, there's usually only five, but they'll do six if there's a tie. I, I firmly believe there will be a tie. There's too many good games coming out this year for there to not be two games kind of tied for fifth place. Does that make sense? Like your first your first two are easy. We all know we all know it's going to be Tears of the Kingdom and Baldur's Gate 3 in first and second place. And then the next four it's a toss up. It's a toss up because you know Hogwarts could sneak in there because of how well it did. We have to remember that this is done by the press and the press Gave that game really great scores. Final Fantasy 16 has the potential to be in there. Then there's obviously everything that we haven't even played yet, like Lords of the Fallen. From what I'm hearing, I don't think it's going to sneak in there like I originally thought. I was like, don't sleep on Lords of the Fallen. I was like, Lords of the Fallen might sneak in there. It might sneak up onto the podium. Some of the some of the earlier previews and reviews we're hearing are not that glowing. They're like, it's good, but they're not like coming out of their skin for it. Um... Yeah, Armor Core, Armor Core might be able to sneak in there. There's Super Mario Wonder. There's Spider-Man Two. Uh, there's so much. There's so much that can jump up there. It's crazy. It's a crazy year. 
Yeah, if they allow the RE4 remake to get voted, you know, to get to, to get a nomination, you know, if they consider that to be something that is, I think they've done that before, so it, it likely could be up there as well. Um, Lords of the Fallen isn't getting great reviews. Yeah, it sounds like Lords of the Fallen doesn't feel as tight and as good as Lies of P. I think Lies of P might have hurt it a little bit. Um, so it sounds like it's getting more like mid-level response. I think it's going to land in a good place. It's probably going to land as like an 80 or something. But I thought this thing might blow people away. I was just looking at it from the trailers and looking at it from the game plan. I was like, y'all don't don't sleep on his Lords of the Fallen. Yeah, Alan Wake could climb up there as well. Um, it's just unbelievable. It's unbelievable how good the year has been which kind of makes some of the layoffs and stuff, you know, even more sad. You think Survivor would have been in the running? Correct. Yes, I believe Jedi Survivor would have been in the running if it would not have had such a bad launch. But because here's the problem with Survivor. Jedi Survivor may get up on the podium. Do you want to know why? Go look at how the press treated it. The press gave it all nines. And when it comes time to vote, you know what they're going to say? They're like, "Yeah, we gave it a 9." It yeah. Todd thought it was amazing. Jimmy thought it was amazing. Yeah, we, we gave it a nine. And if, if, if they played it recently, they're not going to have any major complaints because they fixed the major performance issues on, on console. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if Jedi Survivor gets up there by, by the sheer fact that the press gave that thing a giant pass on the performance issues. I mean, a giant pass. Some of that, I think, is because of the mouse. Nobody wants to cross Disney. So they all said... Yes, yes, you know, we will be subservient. We'll be subservient to the Star Wars brand because it's so big and it's owned by Disney and they didn't want to cross them. I, I put my money where my mouth is. I don't hold back. I'm not scared of reprisal. I said, I said, look, I tweeted it. I said, I don't think they deserve a single award nomination for how this game was treated. And I stand by that, even though I now played it. And even though it's my personal game of the year, because I enjoyed it so much, I don't want it to win anything. I want. I. I would love for the game awards and the press to send a loud and clear message that, like, no, cut the crap, don't keep doing this, especially with Star Wars of all pieces of property. Like, cut this out. What are you doing? I understand the bias is huge. I tried to push through and play, and I got to Kobo, and I was like, this is awful. It, it was unplayable. It was unplayable. Like you could tell something was wrong. I. I mean, I applaud. I applaud their efforts to fix it because they completely like reworked performance mode as far as I can tell, but no. What reforge you jumped on the bandwagon? What bandwagon? I played Survivor and I thought the opening was tolerable and then I got to Kobo and after that I was extremely critical of that game. Put the game down, said that it didn't deserve awards, said that you know, I was incredibly disappointed with how they treated the project. Um, I, I was, I did not jump on any bandwagon. I was excited as a Star Wars fan to jump in day one. And I thought the story was great from moment one. I was like, this is a great story. I still believe it's, it's one of the best Star Wars stories I've, I've, I've gotten to experience. For a he with the two spots, Spidey two for game of the year. What do you think? Eh, it'll get a nom, but it won't win. I think Spidey 2 gets a nom. It'll walk away with a couple of awards, but it won't win game of the year. Baldur's Gate 3 stands too tall. I don't think it's I don't think Spidey stands a chance to be to be to be Baldur's Gate 3. I think it could get nominated. 
Does Survivor still have Traversal Stutter on PC? I have no idea. Guys, we're going to go to this premiere in about 20 minutes. Let's get 300 likes. You guys are edging again. We're Let's get 300 likes. Bump that like count over. And let's get the member count there. We have been... Uh, We've been squeaking in every day and getting that 25. We've been squeaking in at the buzzer. Usually we were hitting the 25 in like the first hour. And now we've been we've been kind of squeaking in. You guys did bounce back today. I said we were at 2,300. We are now at 2,400. So you guys, again, a lot of you that renewed probably bumped the member count. You were like, over the weekend, it counts you as not a member, but you are. And when you push the button, it rolls it up. So we're actually... A little bit closer to this than I thought. We're actually at 2400 instead of 2300. Bad year to release your game if you're gunning for game of the year. Oh, for sure. It's a bad it's a bad year to release your game if your game's not ready. If your game's not ready, <laughs> buckle the frick up because you're I mean, you're going to get obliterated by by this year's quality. You don't stand a chance. You know, you don't stand a chance. What's it saying? There was some pretty steep discounting on physical games going on in both GME and Amazon over the weekend. If this is what early October is like, uh, BF December could be discount crazy. Not a great sign for physical SW uh, as it was software, I think is what it means to be honest. As if there were many good signs for physical software to begin with. People are not realizing those sales aren't a good thing. What sales exactly? Yo, Zubair gifts a member. I pushed the button. Hello? There it is. I thought I pushed the button. I guess I didn't. There we go. 18 out of 25. Seven more, and we'll hit the goal. And I always gift the members uh, during the premiere, so it gives you guys the next 19 minutes to push it as far as you can, uh, and then I pay it forward. Last week, you guys had me gifting a couple of times. Pretty, pretty big amounts. We had a couple big days last week. Are we too complacent as gamers? If the products we received in any other sector was this bad, would it be okay for them to take years and charging you in some cases for a better product? <clears throat> Amazon had a big one. GameStop had one too. Oh, like big, big, phys- big sales on physical. I got it. Okay. Well, yeah, here's the thing. Lost uh, Scotsman. I personally think... Team Ambush, you're welcome. Yeah, you gifted to somebody named Team Ambush. That's hilarious. Uh, I personally think that the way Steam treats the consumer is the way that we should ask all platforms to treat us. I think both. I think PlayStation, Xbox, asking this of Nintendo is probably asking for way too much. They probably would say no. But I think all of the platforms, I think all of the platforms should be giving you the option to refund under a certain amount of playtime. I don't feel as consumers were properly protected. I don't think Nintendo will ever give us the ability to do that. But I should be able to buy a game right now on my PlayStation 5. And I should be able to turn around in like an hour and a half and be like, this sucks. Give me my money back. This is buggy. This is glitchy. This is a problem, right? Give me my money back. So the same way they do it now with game trials on PS Plus, you got two hours and there should be that two hour window where it tells you, 
right? You know how it tracks your 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 gameplay or whatever. It 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 should totally be sitting there, and it should be like, yep, you you're at an hour. Yep, you're at an hour and a half, and it should be like you're about to hit two hours. Now it doesn't necessarily need to warn you, but there should be a place for you to check it. If like you're if you're a very intentional consumer, you should be able to go check somewhere and say, how long have I played? Because I'm not sure yet. I don't know. I I I would like to get my money back. You're asking for Game Pass? <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm asking for consumer protection on a purchase. Not dollar menu gaming, where the value of games will inevitably go down as cadence is triumphed over quality. No, I'm not asking for Game Pass. No. I want to be protected as a consumer. If if you don't ever buy a single game on Xbox, that's fine. That's your choice as a consumer. But not everybody plays games that way, and not everybody says, if it's not on Game Pass, I'm not playing it. There are plenty of third-party games that people are willing to pay for because they buy one console, right? They buy one console and they say, this is where I'm going to game. And there are games that don't go to Game Pass. And if you buy a game and you say, let me see if this is any good. The reviews were okay. You've got games this year that were more in the middle of the road and they weren't bad, but they weren't great. So it's really up to the player like Atlas Fallen, Immortals of Avium. These are games where maybe you thought they looked good enough to buy or maybe you watched a review and you're like, let me check out this game. And if you get like an hour and a half in the game and you want to return it and get your money back, that's not what Game Pass is. Game Pass is a subservice model where you're giving the smallest amount of money possible to get the most amount of games. So Game Pass doesn't connect here. It's like that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about you being protected as a consumer so that if you buy something and you don't like it or if it's a broken piece of garbage, you can get your money back. How does asking or talking about better refund practices for gaming relate to Game Pass? Because there are people who so heavily orbit themselves around Game Pass as a way of gaming that they can't see the world any other way. They think you're a sucker if you buy a game. And yes, I'm speaking for them because this is how they talk. It's their posture. That's why he said that. He's like, you're asking for Game Pass. No, I'm not. They're not even remotely the same. But when you view things through that lens of... This is, this is all I do. Buy games. Like, buying a game to them is like foreign. It's like, who would do that? Who would buy a game? So they don't feel like they need protected because the last time they bought a game was, you know, probably during the 360 era or something or during the Xbox One era. They've completely converted over. And they're like, I don't need to. Why? And they're like, well, I spend this every month and look at the value I get. Look at the value I get. Like, that's their mind frame. They're like, I don't need to buy games. I have a mountain of games. Why would I go and buy something? Refund should only be allowable when a game is broken, which Sony did give for Cyberpunk when it first came out. I don't agree with you. I don't agree with you. I think if, I think because broken is subjective, right? Broken subjective. A game can launch and have a ton of performance issues, but you can still play it. 
Like, it's not like breaking and crashing and you're losing, you know, you're losing progress. Like, you could play Jedi Survivor at quality mode and probably notice almost none of the performance issues. So would that be justifiable then? Well, it's not really broken. It's not really broken. Why do you guys not like protecting consumers? It's it's just so weird that the... <laughs> I, it's, it really... <laughs> it's a whole discussion. It's a whole discussion about like why why would that side of the aisle be so against protecting consumers i i don't get that at all if you go to the store and buy something you get at home and it's not as good as you thought it was going to be you take it back you're like this is this is bad this thing sucks i don't like it this vacuum cleaner said it could suck up marbles it's barely picking up popcorn give me my money back you know mickle Truesdale was 16 months in a VIP. It's heartening to see that Cyberpunk could reorient and produce something this high quality enough so to be lauded during this banner year of gaming. Guys, we got about 12 minutes before we go to the premiere. We need seven more members to hit our goal. I'll give five during the premiere. The premiere is about The Last of Us. It's getting another remaster. Well, no, not getting another remaster, but it's another apparent remaster and a long list of remasters and remakes. And obviously people are very upset. Um, <laughs> I'm not because I've never played it. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, this, this is great for me. <laughs> but there are people that are ticked. And I don't understand why, because they don't even own the system it's going to be on, but hey. Uh, I tell people all the time, stop listening to gaming media journalists research the game before you buy. God of War wasn't type my, my type of game. I didn't consider it for game of the year, but if I wanted a refund for the game soon after I bought it, then that's how it is. I can't return it, because uh, it's not broken. My foot, I think is I think you're saying like my foot. I should be able to do that. Lono, I feel the console consumer has enough access today to reviews and gameplay to make a decent decision. Computers have different specs, so it makes more sense to be that way on Steam. I don't agree with you. I can go to Amazon right now. Oh, it's pronounced Michael. Thank you, Michael. I can go to Amazon right now and see that something's got a good review, and I can buy it, and I can be like, this thing sucks. I don't like it. It's louder than I thought it was going to be. Right? It's quieter than I thought it was going to be. Whatever the case may be. It doesn't seem as strong, as fast, as crisp, as bright, as sharp, as nice, as I thought it was going to be. Who cares if it's got good scores? If I don't like it, I should be able to say, dude, give me my money back. This, I don't like this thing. This thing's lame. I played it for an hour and I don't like it. The dialogue's bad. Controls are bad. Everything feels clunky. Whatever the case may be. It doesn't matter that you think it's good or fine or that oh well there's a general consensus in the in the consumer base or the review base or the or the whatever. That doesn't matter. We don't do that with movies. What do you mean? Movies are completely different. If I if I rent a movie for, you know, whatever the price of renting movies is now on Amazon, it's usually between five and ten dollars. Or if I go to the movie theater, right? There is there is no context in which you are going to get a refund because it's a different it's a different value transmission. You're not buying a product to take into your home that then is yours, 
right? You're going to the theater. You're paying to see the movie. You understand the risk that you're taking. That, like, well, I can't return this. Now, if you get 15 minutes into the movie and you're like, this is utter refuse and you leave, some theaters will give you your money back if you argue strongly enough. You're like, listen, I have made it 10 minutes. I want my money back, right? I think video games are different because video games are essentially a piece of software that you then you then own the rights to engage with. And like, if it's bad quality, if it doesn't run well, if it's glitchy, if it's buggy, whatever the case may be, you should be well within your rights to be like, dude, I didn't give me my money back. This thing sucks. When movie tickets are $70, excluding snacks, let me know. It wasn't your taste isn't the same as a broken product? Well, yes, those are obviously different judgments, but that doesn't matter. If I buy a game on Steam, I can return it and say it wasn't fun. Better refund policies benefit the consumer. The idea of people being against that is mind-boggling. I, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm baffled as well. It's like, what are we even talking about here? I can download a game on Steam right now, and if I get an hour in and I'm like, this game blows, give me my money back. Why? It's not fun. They're like, okay. They're not like, well, hang on a minute. How many bugs did you encounter? Is it playable? Is it broken? Steam doesn't do that at all. They're like, okay, cool. Here's your money back. Because you're saying, oh, it's understandable on Steam because, like, well, Steam has, you know, PC games and PCs have more permutations and more probable po- problems. But I'm like, brother, I can return something literally because it's not fun. I'm like, yeah, it's not fun. Give me my money back. I, I don't understand why asking for that is, is like, being being pushed against. Like, we're being bristled against. Like, oh, no, they can't do that. What do you mean? Why not? Why not? All right, we got seven minutes and you need seven members. Seven minutes, and we need seven members. We got the countdown started now. In seven minutes, we're going to a premiere about The Last of Us 2 getting a remaster. Let's hit that goal. I'll gift the five whenever we get over there. Let's hit it right now. You guys can train this easily. Just one at a time. Don't get me wrong. We should have more refund options. I'm just trying to be logical. Go to a Japanese restaurant. Having never tried sushi, you order it, you hate it. Do you get a refund? Yeah, but that's not the it's not the same. That's not the same. And when you go to a restaurant, if I'm telling you, a lot of this you don't you you, you just don't do it because you're probably you know you don't want to risk them like spitting in your food. If you order something and it shows up and you take a bite and you're like, this is terrible, I don't want this. They'll take it back. Now you obviously can't sit there and do that with like four entrees. But a lot of the times, thank you so much, Rob V, for gifting a member. Goes to Jake. We need six more. There it is. Five. That takes us to 24. We could make light work of these goals every day and the big goals with those fives, man. They stack up fast. Thank you, Kyle Wilkerson, for doing a five bomb. Restaurants will do the same. Yeah, if you take a single bite of a meal, a lot of times the restaurant will say, yeah, hey, we're sorry about that. If you're like, yo, this is way too spicy or this is awful, this is cold, whatever the case may be, they will sometimes take it back. But I do think food is different. I'm buying a product to put into my home. 
Dak Johnson lands the plane a 25. There it is. And then we'll do five more. I'll do five during the premiere. I will do five gifteds during the premiere. Oh, I haven't set up redirect yet. Whoops. Uh, there we go. Sony and Microsoft not allowing refunds uh, is good for you. Just one reason. Yeah, why, like... This is bewildering. Did YouTube remove my recurring membership? I feel like every couple of months we have a big dip in the viewership because they do that. Somebody told me it's a matter of policy at YouTube. They won't renew you automatically. Is it 90 days or something? We've had this happen before. We're like, I have like a really big dip in the membership. I'm like, man, we've lost a lot of members. And people are like, why did my membership renew? And I literally think it's a matter of policy. They only will renew it automatically so many times, and then you have to go in and do it again. I have no idea why. Eugene, with 25 months, says, can I refund this? Like... I'm confused why anybody would push back. Agent of Chaos, Jose. Thank you so much, Jose. He's throwing down the gauntlet. He bumps it. (laughs) He bumps the line. I don't think you guys are getting up to 50 in four minutes. It'll be a valiant effort if you do. If you guys go crazy in four minutes, that'll be insane. Let me modify what's on the front page of the channel. When we go to this premiere, sometimes the redirect doesn't work. So I'll have I'll have it on the front of the channel as well. I'm just too passive in restaurants, I guess. By and large, when I go to a restaurant and I order food, it's never so bad that I want to return it. I've renewed automatically for one year, says AOZ. I've had people say that though. They're like, after so many renewals, it like YouTube like kicks them off of auto renewal. It's so bizarre. They probably do it because some people may forget. Yeah, but generally speaking, that's why companies like subservices. They know that you forget. <laughs> Have you ever gotten an update like Netflix is is increasing your 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 monthly and you're like, "Huh? We still have Netflix?" Like <laughs> you just forget that you have it. They love that. They're not like, "Well, <laughs> just in case you forgot, we canceled your your renewal." <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, I don't know any company that does that. That's that's uh that's backwards. Um thank you, Crinab, for five months. Love your show, Zono. Keep up the good work. Let me throw a tweet out there. We're gonna go to this video about the last of us in like three minutes. I like to have the um Okay. I would never order something at a restaurant I don't think I'd like. So at that point, either the meal is cooked well or prepared poorly. Yeah, exactly. Like if you take a gamble and you're like, like somebody said, you're like, oh, I've never had sushi before. And you try sushi. You kind of know what you're signing up for, right? You, you understand what you're signing up for. And I don't think that's the same as you buy a game. And you're like, yeah, it's so much more subjective than like food taste. You buy the game and you're like, yeah, I didn't really like this. Yeah, I want my money back. That protection at a consumer level, I think is really, really good. You're going to get higher quality games. 
you're gonna you're, you're gonna get higher quality content because the developers know the developers know if the game sucks then people are gonna refund it now people have always pushed back on this notion they're like well wouldn't they just make the beginning of the game really good I mean yeah maybe maybe hey I tell you what let's continue this debate in the members only debrief that's a great opportunity for you to become a member and enjoy the content I'm gonna spam a link in chat we are gonna go to this video I'm gonna give five members when I get over there the last of us is doing a nut with there, there more remasters coming to PlayStation apparently and people are upset I'm gonna see you guys over in the chat Let's go see what this is all about. We can keep talking about refunds because I'm kind of blown away by some of y'all's position on this. So, but hey, there's a link in chat or I'll redirect you. What's going on with The Last of Us Part 2 Remaster? Let's go check it out. 